Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We have seen that there is a priesthood that is being set apart for a particular purpose. We completed in the previous chapter the offerings and the sacrifices that were made in order to inaugurate them. And now in our chapter in this study, chapter 9 of the book of Leviticus, we're going to see the priests going to work for a purpose. And that purpose is to bless the people of God. Now, this gives us insight about our call. We're called to be a blessing, a blessing to others, primarily to the people of God. And we see that there was a priesthood, a unique call upon a group of individuals from the household of Aaron that were called to bless the children of Israel. And likewise, we need to see through a call, a special call through the gospel, that we become a royal priesthood, that we become that holy nation in order that we might be a blessing to others. And when we think and live with that that mindset that we're called to bless, we're going to see that God speaks to us specifically about how we're called to do that. But unless we're committed to be a blessing, we're not going to have that, that guidance, that direction from the Holy Spirit functioning as it should in our life. We need to be prepared, and being part of being prepared is having the right commitment to the things of God. Well, look with me to Leviticus and chapter 9. Let's begin in verse 1. My, my hope is that we will complete this chapter in its entirety in this study. Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 1. And it came about on the eighth day. Now, we know that the inauguration of the priests took place over a seven-day period. We saw that they sat at a specific location where they ate from the offerings that were made for their being put into service, this installation of the priesthood. They remained there for those seven days. This period of time has come to a completion, and now... We're on the eighth day. And this eighth day, remember, eight has to do with newness. Eight has to do with a kingdom purpose. And we see here a kingdom purpose is blessing. We see that when we do the work of the kingdom, we're going to be blessing others. And we'll see this as we come towards the end of our study today. But notice how we arrive at that call. Verse 1. And it came about on the eighth day that Moses called to Aaron 
and to his sons and to the elders of Israel. Now, it shouldn't surprise us that as the priests were inaugurated for service and now they're beginning their service, that they would be called Aharon and his sons. But what's unique is that he also spoke to the elders of Israel. And the elders of Israel were people who had a specific call to oversee. Oversee in a general sense what was going on in the kingdom of God, specifically in that nation of Israel. We see in the book of Revelation that there were elders, 24 elders in heaven, and now there's elders here in Israel for that same purpose, overseeing and making sure that which was done was done for the purposes of God. So it's not surprising in the end that that Moses would call also to the elders of Israel. Look now to verse 2. And he said to Aaron, take for yourself. Now this is you taking, but instead of previously Moses doing much of the work, now there's a transfer. We see that Aaron and the priests are going to be doing this work. Verse 2, Take for yourself a calf, an offspring of the cattle, for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering, and this ram needed to be perfect, needed to be in the proper state in order to offer it up at the tabernacle service so a ram that was was blameless and he says and offered before the lord so aaron is being called to do this for a specific purpose and it's to bring about this transition from being installed to service to doing the service himself verse 3 And to the children of Israel, you speak, saying, Take, and notice that the children of Israel are cooperating with the priests. This is a major truth that we need to see. The priests, they have two primary purposes. We find that the priests were teachers, but the priests were also servants in the tabernacle, then after the tabernacle, in the temple and the people were supposed to cooperate and offer up their offerings to the priest that they might actually do the work of the sacrifice and this is what's being outlined early on on their first day of service look again at verse 3 and to the children of israel you shall speak saying take and this is a goat a kid goat for a sin offering, and a calf, and a sheep, which is one year old, and these as well had to be blameless, and they were for a burnt offering. So we see that as the priests were beginning their service, the people needed to bring forth, and notice this, not just a burnt offering, which shows entirety, commitment in the fullest sense, but also 
a sin offering. And this shows one of the foundational purposes of the priest, and that is to deal with sin. We have that great high priest, Messiah Yeshua, who dealt perfectly with, with the sins of the world. And notice what else it says. Move on to verse 4. Also a, a ox and a ram for peace offerings to, to offer them before the Lord. And not only these, but also a grain sacrifice that is mixed with oil. For today, the Lord, he will appear before you. Now, notice a second and primary purpose, and that is through the work of the priests, it would bring the presence of God before the people. Now, what is this? Well, sin separates us from God, but the work of the priests were to bring back the presence of God among the people in order to reverse the consequence of sin from a spiritual context. That is simply to say, sin hinders our relationship with God. It distances God from us, but this work of sacrifice through the priests brings about a godly restoration to the people that they might once more experience God's presence in their life. So again, notice how verse 4 concludes, For today the Lord, He will appear unto you. Verse 5. And they took what Moses commanded, and they took it before the tent of the meeting, And they offered it. Who offered it? All the congregation. But remember something. This word for congregation is a word, eda, which means a group of witnesses. One who bears testimony. And it's all to teach us an important principle. And that is that we are called to bear witness, that we are called to give testimony that we belong to God, that we are his people. And the way that we do that is by worshiping God, God who manifests himself among us, that his presence is with his people. And this demands that we worship him. So we bear testimony by worshiping him. Now, this is foundational. And let me just simply say that that during the pandemic, this whole objective was was being challenged by, by governments where there was a hindrance to what God commands us to do, and that is to draw near to him in worship. As the book of Hebrews says, Do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. That is a biblical requirement. We see that foundation for that here in this passage where the priests work in order that the people might worship God and they might worship the God who is among them. This is foundational. And that's why it's so, so disappointing 
when you have individuals who are supposed to be teachers of God's word saying that that we're not supposed to worship God that we don't have this this mandate to assemble together in a place of corporate worship of course we do that is taught foundationally in the tabernacle it's taught foundationally in the temple and it's also taught among us in the local places of worship where we assemble together verse 5 and they took that which moses commanded and they took it where to the the tent of the meeting and they offered up who did all the congregation and they stood before the lord now this is important because this standing before the lord is an idiom for worship god his presence is restored through this tabernacle service or through this temple service depending upon the time that we're talking about first the tabernacle then the temple but his presence was restored among the people and what were we called to do as we said in our call to worship ha omdim the one standing this is vital that we stand in anticipation of worship and the standing to worship god is preparation for service we worship god for a variety of reasons first of all he's worthy of worship secondly we're commanded to worship him but thirdly we worship god because through the worship experience it prepares us for serving him there's an inherent relationship between worship and service in fact in hebrew that word avodah is related to both worship and to serving look now to verse 6 and moses said and again pay attention to the language moses said zehadavar meaning this is the thing or this is the matter and the construction here means this is the primary thing this is the foremost matter and what are we talking about worship being able to worship god within the framework that god has given to us not as we want to do according to what we think is right that's going to be shown what is the outcome of such thinking in the next chapter when we see the sons of aharon nadav and abihu decide that they will determine how and when and with what to worship god that type of worship brings about death this type of worship brings about blessing so you choose if i do it my way i'm inviting death if i do it his way i'm inviting blessing blessing upon me and that that privilege of being to utilize the blessings of god for the well-being of others again verse 6 and moses said this is the matter which the lord commanded that you should do and the glory of the lord appeared unto them now again god's glory is being manifested we see two things earlier on 
in this chapter we saw at the end of verse 4, Ki hayom Hashem alechem. For this day, the Lord, He will appear unto you. And now we see how He is, and that is a manifestation of His glory. Ve alechem kavod Hashem. And the glory of the Lord, it will appear unto you. All of this is about experiencing God. Why do we worship God? We want to experience God. We want His presence to fill our life, to fill our thoughts, to fill our speech, that we think differently, that we speak differently, and we behave differently. All of that is an outcome of God's presence in our life that comes through a worship experience. Verse 7. And Moses said to Aharon, Offer upon the altar and do the, your sin offering and your burnt offering and atone for yourself. So now, once more, we saw it with the inauguration service when the priests and the high priest Aharon was being installed. But now we also see it as the, the tabernacle has been set apart. It has been prepared. And now we see that, that Aaron is making these two offerings, the sin offering and the burnt offering for himself. Why? Notice what it says here. Look at the middle of verse 7 where it says, Vechaper ba'atcha. And he will atone for yourself and for the people. And he made the offering of the people and atone for them just as the Lord commanded. So he made the atonement for himself and he made it for the people as well. And he did it. And this is the important thing, just as the Lord commanded. Why is that important? Because it shows submissiveness. And this is foundational in regard to worship and in regard to service, that we approach God submissively. And the only way to do that is by means of his revelation. And that's why his word is so important. And that's why Moses is instructing them on what to do in order that they could do so correctly and bring about the desired response that God wanted the people to experience. Look now at verse 8. And Aaron offered, I realize that many Bibles will say he brought but it's not the word brought, lehavi, but it's a word for offering up. And Aaron offered up upon the altar. He sacrificed the calf for the sin offering, which was for him. So he began by doing what was required for his spiritual change. And this also brings about an important spiritual truth, and that is, we need to change. And what we see is that the work at the temple brought about 
a change. It was all done within the context of worship. So what do we derive? Worship brings about change. We need to worship God. So godly change happens to our life. Worship is a catalyst for changing the people of God and bringing them into the condition, the state that God wants them to be in. Verse 9, and he offered up, who did that? The sons of Aaron. They offered up the blood and notice that he they did so unto him meaning they did it for this purpose and what what took place look at the middle of verse 9 and he dipped so they offered up the blood they brought it to him he dipped his finger in the blood and he placed it upon the horns of the altar and the blood he poured out upon the the foundation of the altar and all of this is being done again in order to prepare the tabernacle for worship worship that is led by the priests so all of this sanctification is being done at that place to change the tabernacle from not just preparing the tabernacle for the inauguration service but now changing it when i say changing it it's simply sanctifying it for the ministry of the priests at this location look now to verse 10 and the fat and this is the choice portion the fat and the kidneys and the appendants from the liver that was from the sin offering what was done with these things it says he burnt and this would be aharon the high priest he burnt upon the altar just as the lord commanded moses so moses received the revelation and now it is aaron who is carrying it out at the tabernacle verse 11 and the flesh and the the skin which would probably be better translated as hide in the english language but the flesh and the skin he burnt with fire and he did so outside the camp these were things that were not offered up to god they were things that were 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 disposed of and because they were not part of the worship service they were necessary for the things to be offered to god you had to to skin the animal you had to have its excess flesh but in the end these things were burnt up and they were done so outside the camp verse 12 and he slaughtered and this word is a slaughtering for the purpose of making a sacrifice if your bible says he killed well yes that animal was killed but not in the normal sense we should not translate this word killing but he slaughtered or he sacrificed the burnt offering and it says that that the sons of aaron presented now they found 
This is what it literally says. But it's in a construction that means that they presented it to him. And what did they present? This burnt offering and the blood. And what did they do? Now, most Bibles will say they sprinkled it. But it's not the normal word for sprinkling. Sprinkling. It's the word for throwing. And what it simply shows is a more demonstrative action. That they dealt with that blood and they dealt with it in a very clear manner. It is sprinkling. The scholars say the sprinkling is more haphazard. And it's usually done on a smaller location. But because this is of a larger location, the blood was thrown. It in no way implies anything that is carelessly done. It's simply, it's simply sprinkling because it's a smaller place. It's done and it sprays out more. But the throwing is more specific, not in any way done carelessly. So look again. They threw, or he threw, it's aired, through the blood upon the altar all around. And the altar was, of course, a large altar. It wasn't small. And that is another reason why it had to be thrown. Verse 13. And the burnt offering they presented to him for pieces. The head and what they did, did did he do with these pieces and the head? It says he burnt it upon the altar. Verse 14. Then he washed the, the inner organs and the, the legs. And he burnt the burnt offering upon the altar. Verse 15. Now, at this time, he's going to be dealing with, after he deals with what needs to be done for himself as high priest and for the priests, the sons of Aaron, he's now going to deal with the offering of the people. Look at verse 15. And he offered up the offering of the people. And he took, what did they bring? First and foremost, this goat. And the purpose for this goat was for the sin offering, which is for the people. Now, this is foundational. We need to remember the primary purpose of the tabernacle, the primary purpose of the temple, the primary purpose of Messiah is to deal with the problem of sin. Who sin? The people. And this means in the fullest sense Here the people are referring to the people of God. Those who had come out of Egypt, those who were not part of that faithless generation, but those who grew up and saw the provision of God during that time in the wilderness that it was through faith that they entered into the promised land. And it was through the providence of God that is his faithfulness to the people, that they were able to arrive at this moment where the tabernacle now was, in fact, being put into place. Now, all of this, 
All of this has to do with something so significant. And that is that the people are learning the principles of worshiping God. Now, we need to remember, I want to clarify something. This is the book of Leviticus. This has to do with the people worshiping God still in the wilderness. But these principles are going to follow them into the land of Israel. It is going to follow them during the time of the tabernacle worship in the promised land. And it's going to continue for when the temple was established by Solomon. All of these things are consistent among God's people. So the ones who came out of Egypt, they experienced this during those 40 years. And then the same truth carried through for the people that entered into the land by faith. And those who dwelt there during the different generations of of life among the people leading up to the time of that exile. First, the Assyrian exile through the northern kingdom, and then the exile of Babylon for those in the southern kingdom. All of these were principles set forth for worship among God's people when leading up to the time of Messiah's first coming. This is what's significant. Look again at verse verse 15 once more. He offered up the offering of the people, for he took the goat for the sin offering, which was to the people or of the people, and also for the people, and he slaughtered it, and he did something. He, he made the sin offering as he had done with the first one. Verse 16. And he offered up the burnt offering. He did to it according to its its law. Now here the word law is the word mishpat, which means the judgment that God gave, the parameters that God gave in regard to this, this offering. He did to it according to the judgment the god's judgment for handling such uh, offering verse 17 and then you see an order of things being done verse 17 and he offered up the the mincha that grain sacrifice and he filled his his palm from it and he burned it upon the altar in addition to the the burnt offering in the morning so this was done with the burnt offering that took place in the morning verse 18 and then he he slaughtered this is he sacrificed the ox and the ram and these were four offerings that were of peace offerings which were for the people meaning that this change was for a specific purpose, and that was that the will of God might be what the people were committed to. Peace offerings always have to do with a desire that God's will would be 
accomplish, that it would take place, that it would be manifested. So the purpose of these things were to instill in the people that they were called, all of this was happening so that they could fulfill the will of God. And then we see verse 18, the second part, and the sons of Aaron brought, and this is to present, they found it and they gave it is what is literally being said in Hebrew to to Aaron and this is the blood and what did he do once more he threw it upon the altar all around verse 19 and the fat from the ox and from the ram and the fatty tail and that which covered it meaning the covering of these things along with the kidneys and the appendants of the liver all of this he had to deal with as well what did he do look at verse 20 and he set the fat upon the breast and what did he do he burnt the fat upon the altar but the breast and the right uh, uh, leg what did he do with these things as we saw at the inauguration he waved them a very important truth he waved them Aaron waved them as a wave offering before the Lord just as Moses commanded and I hope that you remember that a wave offering signifies victory and what is victory the fulfillment of God's will it is not a coincidence at this time this wave offering is being mentioned we're coming to the end of Aaron and his sons being put into service literally they were inaugurated for seven days this as we saw in verse one is the eighth day where they are being put into service they are doing the work and we see all of this an active priesthood brings about victory it brings about a fulfillment of God's will and all of this was in the context of what worship this is being done so that people might worship God and through worship there is a godly change this is what is being taught to the reader look now to verse 22 and Aaron lifted up his hands to the people immediately after the burnt offering he lifts up his hand why what's victory what is the will of God well we see it here and he blessed them that is the desire of God that is what the will of God brings about blessing this is victory living in the blessings of God and this is what's being conveyed to us in this ninth chapter of the book of Leviticus and it says after he blessed them he went down from doing the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering so after he completed these offerings he went down but they all had a common purpose that through these offerings that the people would be blessed verse 24 our last verse it says 
and fire went out from before the Lord. What does this convey? It conveys an acceptance that God received the work of the priests. Now, I would suggest to you that there's a relationship between the fire coming down or here going out and resurrection. The connection is this. In the same way that fire going forth confirm God's acceptance of what was done, so too does the resurrection of Messiah also convey God's acceptance of the work of Messiah upon that cross. And by the way, that day that Messiah rose from the dead, what's called Rashid, the first, usually translated in English, the first fruits, we also know that that first fruit offering was a wave offering, conveying victory. And again, what is the victory? That God's people can worship Him. Now, here's what I would say is a primary takeaway for us as we read this ninth chapter of Leviticus. And that is that God has done the work of dealing with the sins of humanity. He's dealt with it perfectly. God has testified of the perfection of Messiah's work by raising him from the dead. And all of this puts us in a position where we and we alone can worship God. Let's be very clear about something. The only people, and hear this carefully, the only people who can worship God today are those who have entered into a new covenant. A new covenant that is ratified with the blood of Messiah. Only we are worshiping God. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Are we really? Do we really put an emphasis upon worshiping Him? Let's be honest with ourselves for a moment. How much time do you spend worshiping God? Now, didn't ask how much time do you spend in prayer? But prayer is part of worship. But but worship goes well beyond simply praying to Him, making requests and supplications to Him and intercessions for others. That's important. We're called to do that. Yes, it's part of worship. But what I'm speaking about here specifically is when we worship God, praising Him, thanking Him, giving Him glory, worshiping Him for who He is and what He has done, and also thanking Him and worshiping Him and praising Him for all of His wonderful promises. We have been brought into a relationship with a blessed God. Now, if you come from a Jewish background, so many of our prayers attest that our God is a blessed God. But but oftentimes, we forget that today. Especially if you come only from a position of Christianity, we forget. We don't identify our Lord and our Savior as the blessed one. Scripture does that, and, and the prayers of Judaism does that. Well, let's go back to verse 24 where it says, 
fire went forth from before the Lord. Now, let me just simply say that that going forth, that word, is the same word for the exodus from Egypt. And, And this word is frequently related to redemption. And what we see here is worship and redemption go hand in hand. It's only because of our redemption that we can worship God. And the redemption I'm speaking of is the redemption that comes through Messiah, his work on the cross. I started to say and didn't complete it, I'll do so now, that the only ones who are truly worshiping God, that God's receiving their worship, are those who are believers in Messiah, those who have received the gospel, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. What does Messiah say? There's coming a day and now is when God demands that we worship him in spirit and truth. Well, we've seen truth today, this instruction that Moses received that he gave Aaron and his sons on how to serve at the tabernacle. That's truth. We need to worship God within the parameters of his word. Very important. I think that's violated greatly today. We'll talk more about that next week in chapter 10. But also, God requires that we worship him in the spirit. So if you have not received the Holy Spirit, and the only ones who have received the Holy Spirit are believers, everyone else, they may do religious things, but they are not pleasing to God. They are not worshiping Him. Only believers can worship God today. Verse 24, And fire went out from before the Lord and devoured upon the altar, meaning all that which was upon the altar. And what was that? The burnt offering and the fat. And notice how our verse concludes. And all the people saw. Now, what is this? Well, if you look at the rabbinical commentators, they will see this word where it says, and the people saw as an experiential word, meaning this. It reveals that the people experienced God. They saw and seen as a very strong sense. So the people saw who all the people saw. And what did they do? Well, they shouted. And this is a word that is highly connected to an expression that is full of emotion. It is not one that is manufactured. It's not one that's thought through. It's not one that's cognitively done. It is a natural expression of joy rooted in emotion. Now, is worship emotional? Yes, it is. Is that the purpose? No, it's not. The purpose is to honor God, honor God, glorify God, thank God, praise God. But when we do it properly within that framework in spirit and truth, it is going to be full of emotion. So all the people saw and the people expressed, and this word can mean with a shout, and they fell before the Lord. How? It says, and they fell upon their faces. They had quite a a worship experience. 
And why does this scripture conclude in the way that it does? They fell upon their faces. This shows humility. This is a description of submissiveness. It shows that truly the people, they were brought into the presence of God and all they could do was fall down before him. They experienced his presence in a mighty way. And that's what godly truth produces, a worship that that causes us to experience the presence and the power of God in our life. Let me conclude by saying this. Make worship, a biblically-based worship, the priority of your life. You'll be glad that you have you'll begin to see godly change in your life and you will experience him in a unique way the way that he always intended his people to experience him god should not be distant when we worship him properly god and man are joined together in that that time of worship we'll conclude with that until next week shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week. May the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.